Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. So gear up with the crew as they talk about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you back to the Speckled Truth Podcast. Captain Chris here with the godfather of glide baits. Got a really unique show today. And I got Mike Herman here from Donkey Bay Swim Baits. And we're going to talk about all things glide baits and swim baits. And so, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Chris, for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. Love talking about swim baits. So uh, you, you picked a subject that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And so we, we met, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Mike and I met, what, us, maybe two or three years ago? And, Probably uh, so, kind of when, like that. Yeah, when you started coming out with some of the Flats Raiders and yeah, I say coming mm-hmm. out with, but at least kind of making them a little bit na- renowned, if you will. Um, and a lot of folks have seen your work. I've shared a lot of uh, your catches specifically uh, on the Speckled Truth uh, page and, and Instagram and their social media and stuff like that. So I think a lot of people know maybe about a lot of your glide baits, but don't necessarily know the man behind it and the process behind it. And that's what I wanted to get into with today's show. So, hey, Mike, before we get into the conversation, um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe how you got into fishing, um, and then how you maybe got into glide baits. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, I'm from Chalmette, Louisiana, born and raised there. Um, and you know, we're basically surrounded by water over there. So, um, a lot of opportunities to hunt and fish with my dad as a kid. We, uh, we hunted in Hopedale, duck hunted and, uh, did a lot of fishing, um, same areas, sometimes by EB Avenue. And, you know, I came up fishing, um, dead shrimp on the bottom for croakers. We used to catch croakers back then that you could eat and speckled trout, and, you know, mixture of things. And then we do some freshwater fishing too, some bass fishing and a little fly rod fishing for bluegills. So yeah, I stayed busy with, uh, hunting and fishing and, um, you know, all through high school, uh, you know, me and my friends, we'd, we'd all spend a, a lot of time fishing nearby. We'd get parents to drop us off and fish some nearby uh, marinas and areas that we could get to. And by the time I was 14 years old, my grandfather was, uh, was dropping me off in a Pirog to go out and duck hunt all day by myself. So, you know, at once I hit 18, graduated high school, I started my own guide service for uh for duck hunting i had friends that were already doing it and i got into that so i was already you know out in the marsh all the time duck hunting when that was closed of course we were fishing trout and we were fishing bass and whatever so just a sportsman childhood and uh and youth and that just carried on into all the way through my life you you know yeah no and so so it sounds like you've got it for for a couple of decades now, right? I mean, are you still an active guide? I don't, I don't guide duck hunts anymore. Um, I did it for about 25 years. I took a few trips in the last few years just for friends who still have their own service. Katrina kind of ended my time. Uh, you know, I did it a little bit after that and then, um, and just kind of weaned myself off of it. 
but mm-hmm. uh, I got it fishing for a long time as well. I got my captain's license in, in 94, me and uh, Nash Roberts and a few other guides mm-hmm. that are still out there today. We all got our licenses together and fished, uh, you know, the marsh and did speckled trout, redfish and some bass. I was always interested in bass, you know, so a yeah. lot of my guided trips were were lures only and we were fishing spinner baits and some plugs for uh for reds and for for bass and that was what mm-hmm. i loved i just i loved doing that joe fish what back at reggio and bybee avenue and kind of that we'd whole fish area reggio there? we'd fish um hopedale fish delacroix some mm-hmm. in b avenue but b avenue wasn't really a target i guess it was still super salty then. then yeah i mean you mm-hmm. probably the mrg was still open MRGO was uh, was the place to go if you wanted to fish a, a sliding cork uh, for the big trout. And we did that. You know, we'd go out and catch, um, it's a little bait fish called a spot. We'd mm-hmm. catch those in a cast net or we'd cast, catch uh, pogies and uh, use the sliding corks all around Bow Brothers and the locks and all those things. And, you know, I did it a little bit and I caught some big fish doing that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, halfway through the trip, I'd I'd break out a top dog or a, or a Zara spook and I'd be chunking it at the bank. And now and then I'd catch some, something on that. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I'd really rather be doing. Right. You know, so, hey, always a plug fisherman. So obviously, you know, growing up and kind of being a sportsman from a very young age, um, I think that's kind of what we do in Southeast Louisiana, right? I mean, if you're mm-hmm. pretty much playing sports or not playing sports, you're pretty much out in a marsh or doing something outdoor related. I mean, that's, you know, the, most of the guests that I've had on here, Shane Mayfield, uh, Doc Bob Weiss, it sounds eerily similar to my childhood, which Todd Masson, uh, which was pretty much, you know, as long as you were <laughs> like old enough to speak, you were pretty much out in a boat. Um, that's true. Know, tra- traversing the Martian. And that's kind of, you know, kind of, it's, it's, I guess in our blood to some extent, you know, so it's, it sounds like that's, you know, you to a T and I know Nash Roberts, Cap Nash Roberts, still an active guide, a very mm-hmm. notable guide actually in Southeast Louisiana. Oh, yeah. Man, that guy is a freaking beast, him and his pops, you know? Mm-hmm. No doubt. And, uh, I think we learned a lot, you know, doing things together. We, uh, we, we guided some duck hunts together and then guided some fishing trips together. And, what, um, it just, did you, did you guide with him when he was in Port Sulphur or when he was coming over to Reggio to duck hunt? Mostly uh, over on the South Shore, you know, Reggio, we guided some duck hunt. We, we my first duck lease I ever had was uh, was with him over in Reggio, and um, we hunted there. We guided some trips there, and we guided on some land my uncle owned in Delacroix. Mm-hmm. And after a few years of doing it, he kind of got away from it and wanted to do uh, fishing only and save the duck hunting for himself. He he didn't like uh, he didn't like sharing all those ducks. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a fanatic man that's cool man that's cool but, so uh, but yeah that's that's my background and uh you know spent a lot of time in the marsh and still yeah. do so i mean obviously bass and, and that was kind of what you really and that obviously plays a huge contributing part to obviously glide baits and and what we know mm-hmm. in terms of big swim baits and and really the premise of the show but you know, that was really your primary, uh, or something that you were passionate about that and trout, or was it just bass you know, and then kind of converted was, to trout? Yeah, kind of, that's about right. I was passionate, always passionate about bass fishing. And, um, I had, uh, I had done some trout fishing here and there, 
you know, tried for some big trout off and on and, and caught a few. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, I was primarily into going out and looking for big bass when I had the chance. And, um, you know, I remember in college, we, we'd take our spring breaks to a, to a lake somewhere, Toledo Bend, um, Lake Seminole in Georgia and a few places like that. So it was always in my blood and, um, somewhere around 2009, um, my dad and I, well, for years prior to that, we'd, we'd travel around also and go to different bass lakes in Florida and Texas and different things. Well, we made a trip to Florida in, I think like 2008 or 2007. And we fished with a guide who was using big wild shiners. You know, they catch them wild mm-hmm. out there in a cast net mm-hmm. and, um, and you buy them, they're like a dollar 50 or piece. And these things were like six inches to 10 inches long. And we trolled them behind the boat and we caught just some awesome fish. We, we, I know we had 15 fish over five pounds one day with the biggest being about eight and a half. It was a phenomenal day. And it just showed me, you know, the power these big baits had on big fish. And one of the notable things was some of the fish we caught were only two pounds, you know, Hmm. and if they could get that shiner in their mouth, they were eating it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and just a light went off in my head when I came back home, I was fishing in a, uh, in a big, uh, golf course lake over here on the North shore. And, um, and I saw some live gizzard shad one day and mm-hmm. I threw that, I threw a cast net, started catching these live, live gizzard shad. And man, when I put these things on, it was like, I don't know where these big bass came from, but they were all over mm-hmm. it. And I'd, I'd run out of them, you know, and go <laughs> catch some more. And then I'd, you know, I'd do it again. And I had days where I caught nine, eight, seven, six, five pounders all back to back. And, um, and then I ran out of schools of gizzard shad. I couldn't find any more. <laughs> so I'm like, oh God, hey, yeah. what am I going to do? I want more of these big bass. So, uh, I, I remembered some of those big California swim baits that I'd been seeing, uh, you know, on the internet, on the internet. And I went looking and I'm like, what am I going to buy so that I could use? So I wound up buying a few different things, some, uh, baits from Castaic baits and, Mm -hmm. uh, a couple other brands. Um, and they worked okay, but I wanted something that was like something that was big. It would get down deep and look like a gizzard shad. So I went and, uh, I had a bandsaw that I was using to make decoys, duck decoys for duck hunting. So I said, if I can make duck decoys, I can make a swim bait. Mm-hmm. So I made this big old gizzard shed. It was probably eight inches long and about five ounces. I put way too much weight in it, but it sunk <laughs> like it swim, it swam straight and it sunk fast. And I, I started fishing it off of these deep points and man, I just started drilling them. I was catching, you know, getting big bites. I lost a lot of them, but they were coming up and I was seeing what they were. And, uh, and, you know, enter the swim bait, uh, craze for me. Craze, yep. And then, uh, another trip I'm out there fishing with that and not getting any bites. And then I downsized to something else and, and caught this 13 inch bass and it's, it's up on the surface swimming around. And all of a sudden this giant bass comes up and swallows it whole. Mm-hmm. And I let it go down and I said, well, if the hook is penetrating his lip, maybe I'll have a shot at hooking this thing. Well, I set the hook and of course my, my little bass comes back up, 
but I pulled it in a boat and I, and I put it on a measuring board. It was 13 inches long. Oh my God. And I saw the bass, you know, I, it, it wasn't over 10 pounds, you know, it was yeah. a big bass, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything ridiculous. And I said, man, I need to make a, I need to make a little bass. So I made a little baby mm-hmm. bass about 10 inches long. It was probably a six ounce bait and same thing, man. I started, you know, some days I'd, I'd get on them and they'd, they'd want that baby bass. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I mean, here, I don't know, 13 years later, I've got about 80 different swim baits that I've made. No kidding. But probably five or six years ago, I decided, hey, let me make a mullet. I want to make a mm-hmm. mullet. I had made a couple of others and tried them, and they didn't really produce. They were wake baits, and um, I caught redfish on them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I need something that the trout would want, you know. So uh, I started playing around with a small glide bait, like a mullet. And that's the one I call a flats raider. I made that and I tried it once or twice in Hopedale and I really wasn't on any fish, those kind of fish, you know, because mm-hmm. that's a specific yeah. kind of fish that eats that yeah. stuff and didn't get anything. And, and then I wound up going on a trip, a, a guided trip with some guys from church and they had booked with none other than Charlie Thomason. Mm-hmm. And, and I remembered he had been over to Texas. So when we got on a trip with him, in which it was a top water trip and uh we went out and caught a few trout on top water and uh, i started telling him about my swim baits and about how uh, i'd love to go try them in texas and that next year we made a trip and that's when mm-hmm. we went out with uh we he he searched around and used all the contacts he knew and we came he came up with a name of david rousey and yes. I said, okay i said i'll book the trip i'll call him and uh i didn't know who he was and but i knew charlie knew some people yeah. And, um, so I, we booked this trip two days over in, uh, and stayed over in Bluffs Landing. And, um, the first day I went out, um, they were all trying like, uh, just jigs on the bottom. And, mm-hmm. um, of course I'm throwing my swim bait. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, blockheaded when it comes to that. I'm going to try my swim bait until, well, you know, I absolutely have to stop. <laughs> So yeah. I used it throughout the day without a strike and, um, and I finally switched over to a jig cause I'm not completely stupid, you know, and, uh, caught a few, caught a few reds and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Charlie had caught a couple of trout on, on some jigs and nobody had really caught anything on a, on a corky yet. So I wasn't mm-hmm. discouraged, you know, and we fished a long time, you know, David kept us out there pretty much as long as we wanted to stay. And, uh, I remember they were all eating lunch on a boat and David said, well, it looks like there's a little miner coming through and I just saw a mullet jump. So I got back in the water and left them all in a boat. And I went back out there with that glide bait and, um, it was pretty cold. I know the water was probably in the fifties mm-hmm. and, um, and I was just using that glide bait, throwing it all the places that David was telling me to throw, um, trying to get on the edge of some of those potholes and things that we really don't have here. And, uh, I finally had a bite on that swim bait. It wound up being the biggest fish of the trip was a seven and a quarter pounder. And that was such an important fish to me, Mm -hmm. to, to my swim baits for trout, you know, it just gave me all the confidence in the world, you know, cause, and I mean, looking back, that wasn't the the greatest swimming bait anyway. You know, I had tuned other ones that swam a lot better, but I got it, you know, it got it done. And then the next day we, uh, we went to some other areas and there was a little flurry 
of action, me and my buddy Dale were throwing flats raiders and that's all we were, we were catching, you know, we we're getting a lot of bites on it mm -hmm. and it got to where nobody else was catching. <laughs> and, uh, and that lasted for, you know, a little 30 minute session, but, but that trip was, was just a, a huge shot in the butt for me, you know? Yeah. And, it, it, uh, proved that they would work. It's funny though. Cause I remember David Poston actually, I want to say a picture of, uh, one of your swim baits, man. This is a couple, I mean, obviously close to probably what eight or nine years ago, I think. Um, and so that's when I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. Glide baits. And that actually kind of spurred me a little bit to consider, you know, maybe throwing some of these glide baits. And so, you know, mm -hmm. all that stuff that you just said, there's so much to unpack there, right? Because the first is, you know, talking about a swim bait craze. And so as you were kind of coming up with the concept, you know, as we were talking and, and over the course of time that we've known each other, it sounds like there's some pretty integral people that I think are fairly household names to a lot of people that follow the swim bait world. Uh, but, you know, you're talking, talking about like the the, the Mike Buka bull shad, right. Or the mm -hmm. Hinkle shad and, and yeah. the swim bait revolution, if you will, you know, kind of, kind of talk and I'll try to bring it full circle here, but, but kind of talk to us like time frame wise. Right. So when was this guided trip? Oh, that guided trip was much like tw later. 2012. On, you know? Yeah. That 2000. was, no, that was 2018 actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't too long ago. Okay. You know, four years or so ago. But the uh, the whole swim bait and glide bait craze for me started like in 2009 at some mm -hmm. point. Um, you know, after I made those baits that I told you about, the very first ones, yeah, I found um, I found a website that was dedicated to strictly swim bait fishing called Swim Bait Nation, and that's going back to like I said around 2008, 2009 or something mm -hmm. where I was getting into it. And all those names were on there, man, like the Hinkles and, um, you know, Tater Hog and Bullshed and Matt Lures, um, Matt Servant, and all the big names mm -hmm. were on there. And, you know, they actually kind of made posts and we all talked and messaged each other. And, you know, it was, uh, it was an up and coming thing, you know, it was really growing fast. And I mean, it had already been there. But for me, you know, it was, it was just growing while from the time I got in till now, I mean, it's, it's exploded, absolutely oh, yeah. exploded. There's so many, uh, baits and, and garage builders. I mean, and anybody who, who gets into it and falls in love with it is bound to try to make their own, you know, and, uh, you see in that now, but, um, uh, but yeah, you know, the glide bait thing came along. I just saw pictures of them. I had never owned one mm -hmm. and, um, there was another site that I used to go to called, and it's still there. It's called Tackle Underground, and it's basically bait makers, and it could be anything from spinner baits to hard baits, um, and everything in between, you know. And um, and those guys will share information, and and there's a lot of discussion that goes back and forth about what kind of products to use and mixtures and hardware, everything, everything, everything. And um, so I spent a lot of time on there and got to know. A lot about it and and i took a stab at a, at a glide bait the first one i did was a little skipjack herring mm -hmm. a friend of mine i work for the corps of engineers and uh one of my friends works over there at the bonnie carry spillway or he's a manager and uh, he sent me some photo I told him take me some pictures if you come across some good 
bait fish, you know, because sometimes they'll uh, they'll do samples and things up yeah. there. And so he sent me some skipjack herring and uh, some gizzard shad. So I made I made baits off of those. And that skipjack herring, what you know, they're kind of a long, skinny looking shad type bait. You know what herring is. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a great shape for a glide bait. And man, I caught some fish on that bass. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a bigger bait. It was like seven inches long. That was the first glide bait I ever made. And uh, to say it was effective was is an understatement. <laughs> so I've oh. used that thing in a lot of places and caught a lot of fish with it. Hmm. And, um, you know, I just went from there and some of the baits I made were like, were jointed, you know, four piece, but, but getting back to the trout, um, it was pretty apparent to me that the baits that were going to be productive were ones that, um, were erratic, mm-hmm. you know, cause I tried the wake baits yeah. out there and, uh, you know, uh, a top dog is erratic if you think about it i mean you're working and it's going side to side and you can go slow but you can go real fast with it too and um you know that's a big difference you know over a wake bait um mm-hmm. i've just never had a great day on one on a wake bait but so i you know i got into the glide bait i said let me try this and uh this this thing can be as erratic as you want because you can use it to go slow or you can use it like a jerk bait and go crazy yeah. but and, it, it's uh, conceptually though it makes sense right because from mm-hmm. a glide bait perspective as you're you know twitching that bait and working it and as it's kind of gliding side to side with these big long sweeps mm-hmm. what's happened is is you're allowing that bait if you want uh to pause and we'll get into that because i know you tune your own baits and mm-hmm. uh specifically but um you know talking about you know trout fishing that i just made a video you know basically how I work a Corky. And that is, it really depends on obviously your twitch cadence and then obviously the pause of kind of mm-hmm. where those trout are holding in, in terms of the column. Right. And so right. glide baits offer a similar, um, capability, obviously mm-hmm. in just a different profile. And so again, conceptually, yeah, it's a larger bait and, and I, that's more kind of maybe the, the, the gist of it is just confidence to throw a large bait, but at at the end of the day, the capability is the same in, in a quirky fat boy, or like you're talking about, you know, like your jerk baits and in any of those erratic action pause baits that actually invoke a strike. Right. And, you know, and I guess I had it in my mind that, um, when I made that, that first little trout glide bait was let me make something that's in the class of say a mirror lure or a quirky or something like that. That's given the fish a different action, a different look, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, something kind of realistic. And that's what I went for, you know, and yeah, the, the confidence thing was, was everything because once right. I got back from Texas, that was it, man. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was I mean, on it and I never put that thing down for the next two years. And uh, yeah. I had some awesome days the following spring because I, I couldn't, I couldn't go to Texas. You, if you remember, I had, yeah. uh, I, the, there was a storm blew it out, blew out my trip. Cause I was booked with David Rousey again, That's me and right. Charlie yep. and my friend Dale. And for the next two years that happened, you know, then they had, y'all had the big freeze down there. Freeze. So that was yep. the following year. So anyway, I, I was kind of forced to fish locally and, uh, yeah, I started having great days and man, catching, you know, three, four five pounders in a season in a, you know, cold weather in a cold weather months. And, uh, that's a big fish for around here. Five you know, pound, 25 inch fish is a big fish for St. Bernard. We just don't have the, the giant ones like we used to. 
And that's the yeah. context, right? That I think a lot of people, you know, again, our Texas listeners are like, oh, that's a big, you know, okay, that's a nice fish. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But for here, you know, but for there, bro, when everybody else is catching, right. you know, 12 to 14 inch trout and, and you're going out and probably not killing them, but still catching a right. lot of fish, but of right. that size and quality, holy crap, man. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's really the key to show the, again, the, the capability and the production of these bigger fish you know, bigger glides. Right. No doubt. Yeah. And, so, Hey, and, Oh, go go I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. I said, and you know, in, in some days, you know, when things, when conditions are good, you know, me and another good fisherman will catch 25 or 30 fish in a trip, you know, and, and there's some really good ones mixed in mm-hmm. and that's a great day for me. I, you know, it's kind of yeah. like top water fishing, you know, it's a, it's kind of a, a concept where you're going out for quality over quantity. It's no different. It really isn't. Yeah, but you're and throwing a an ounce and a half inch, or I'm yeah. sorry, an ounce and a half floor. But I right. wanted to go back before you um, carried on with that point, which was, mm-hmm. you know, getting some feedback. Did you get some feedback from like, again, men of Mike Bukas and, you know, the Henkels and, of the world on, when you were building those glide baits? Yeah, a little bit. I think, yeah, a couple of those guys would comment on those posts. Yeah, I think, you know, Mike actually guided in Hopedale. I don't know if you knew oh, that. I didn't know that. He no, lived actually. in Mississippi and he got it. So anytime I posted uh, pictures of fish caught over there, yeah, he 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 poked some uh, comments in there. Or he loved it. I think he's actually making a, a little mullet now. It's called a a, a bull mullet. It's a, hmm. like a four piece bait. Something I don't make. And uh, yeah. yeah, I bet it's gonna do great. <laughs> yeah, and I hope it. It's does. It's funny though, because I mean, you know, these are obviously pretty well renowned and obviously, you know, with the bull shad and, you know, talking about some of those baits, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of price and cost. And, you know, I think one of the stories you were talking about was how you traded one for a depths 250 or something along those lines. Yeah. Early on. And, uh, you know, in the, well, I was off a of swim bait nation. I was making some wooden glide baits. They were, uh, they were 10 inches long and about six ounces and, uh, they were herring. <laughs> That's crazy. They were giant, yeah. man. They're giant. And, uh, I was, I was kicking butt with them, you know, people didn't offer to trade with me, uh, just on its looks, you know, I was posting yep. pictures of, uh, you know, five pound plus fish. And, um, and the guy said, man, I, I'd, I'd love to buy one. I said, I don't, I don't really make, I don't really sell these. I didn't sell any, I didn't sell swim baits until about three years ago, Chris, mm-hmm. nothing, not a, hmm. not a one. I've been making them for 14 years. No kidding. So yeah. Anyway. Um, I said, you know, I don't sell them, but I'd, I'd trade if you had something. And of course he asked what, and I always wanted a depths. I'm like, what are they, what are these people paying $200 for? So, uh, he traded me and, um, and I used it and man, it was, it was pretty awesome bait. You know, the, those Japanese got some talent, man. Yeah. And that's the was, thing, uh, the glide baits. I mean, yeah, they've been around for an extended period of time and probably mm-hmm. before they hit the the market when you saw them in 2009, like the river to seas, you know, the S waiver and, you know, the Japanese and the JDM market, I mean, they like most things, they pretty much are, are making these. And so they inevitably kind of make their way overseas, um, concept, concept wise. Right. And so that's where, you know, all of a sudden it, it went from a very kind of, um, niche thing to, really every brand manufacturer, lure manufacturer now makes a glide bait 
uh, or a big swim bait as part of their lineup. And so it just shows how it grew so fast, so quick. Sure. You know, and, and now you're starting to see it on the Bassmaster Trail. Yeah. Uh, guys like Chris Zaldane and Yeah, I love watching Zaldane. They are, uh, they are really sticking with them. And um, I, I think the guy's going to win huge with that stuff, you know, soon. It, it's funny, yeah. though, because, like, you see, like, him or Lee Livesey and Brandon Polinick, I mean, you know, throwing a Storm or Rashi Glide or something like that. I mean, they, they pretty much lock it in their hands some days. And they, I mean, obviously, you know, Polinick, I think, is up there in the AOI. I think, if not leading, he's definitely one of. But he obviously, Livesey, you know, winning fork again. And Zal Dangerous mm-hmm. is almost always kind of at the at the top, especially in the big Texas league. Always know? in the hunt. I know. Yeah. And it, it's because they lock these big, big baits in her hand. And, and it's interesting because I know we're talking a lot about bass, but you know, uh, I really equate this to, and I've always heard, you know, Hey, like a depths 250 or a lot of these big glide baits are really search baits. And so what they'll do is, they'll, you know, as they're kind of working like a big, you know, rocky structure, a big deep water point or something like that. They'll actually fish these big baits like a Huddleston or something like that. And it, the drawing power of these baits kind of pulls these big fish up to kind of give them a visual, especially in these clear water lakes that these fish are present. Well, hell man, um, you know, here in the saltwater world, especially here in Texas, I, aside from seeing, I mean, I posted a video, I think it's close to a million views where a big trout ate like a, I think it was like a third, uh, no, actually, I think it was like a 14 or 15 inch flounder or tried to eat it. Um, <laughs> my big, my, the biggest trout that I ever caught, I've shared this story before, um, before I kind of knew any better and, um, uh, before I, you know, uh, I was ill prepared, but you know, the biggest, heaviest trout that I've ever caught 30 and a half at a 15 inch trout in its belly. I saw another video from, you know, Daniel land. Uh, he, on social media, he shared that a couple of times where one of his clients is reeling in like a 14, 15 inch trout and this big trout comes up and basically engulfs uh, a smaller fish. So, I mean, again, oh yeah, we see it, it's visible, but the hard part is, and this is where I think you've kind of bridged the gap of, you know, we see the drawing power, we see, you know, the these baits being productive on large fish, mm-hmm. but it's such a large bait, the tackle, the, all right. these different, it's so hard to have that confidence link the two and say, to your point, which is after the Rousey trip, right. Locking it in your hand and, and developing that confidence of, you know, catching some large fish on it. Well, you know that it works. You've right. seen it, you've done that. And so now it's easy for you. But right. for everyone else who hasn't, you know, that is, that is a huge hill to climb. It's a big uh, leap of faith and it's a big commitment to get started with it, you know, just to, you know, because you've got to put in time because, you know, in the back of your head, you know, you're already fishing in, uh, in a time where you're not looking for a lot of fish. You're looking for, you know, a few big bites. So fishing could be slow, even with the conventional hard baits at times. So to throw something that's, you know, two ounces or more, yeah, it is a big commitment and it can get in your head, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you don't have that confidence, but, you know, and that's my job, you know, I'm, I've been fishing my butt off these last few years with these baits and I've been posting, 
you know, Hollywood and some of these fish, you know, but it's not that I'm looking for, uh, you know, bragging rights. I'm trying to build confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I catch some decent fish, I want to show those photos and talk a little bit about what was going down. And especially if I get customers to send me photos, man, I'm, I'm posting that I'm sharing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and this year, this year was, was really good. You know, I've had a lot of, uh, I had probably three or four people send me photos of, uh, you know, like 27 inch plus fish mm-hmm. this year. So they're starting to catch some big ones and, what? and I hope that's building confidence, you know, for others as it is for, for themselves, you know? Yeah. But before that though, mm-hmm. and, and that's why I kind of came right out the bat with this, you know, podcast session, which is, Hey man, to me, from a speckled trout perspective, you're the godfather mm-hmm. of glide baits because until I met you, until I started kind of seeing you in mm-hmm. the, the pictures that you post, um, it was again, insanely foreign, probably to most people especially in the inshore world to see a big trout on a glide bait. And so a lot of people just don't see that. So until you came around, I didn't really see any of that. Now we're starting to see a little bit of that steam kind of starting to roll where, Mm -hmm. you know, people are, you know, painting their, uh, either some bought baits, but nobody's making baits in my, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. I mean, we're seeing some made, we're seeing some people throw them, but Right. I mean, you've developed these baits over, you know, 10 years plus, uh, not only building them for bass, but kind of converting them over to trout and now seeing that production yeah. um, and all that process that goes into that. And so mm-hmm. that's cool, man, to see you kind of champion that effort um, to kind of bring it more, me- I guess, mainstream, if you will, and in, in, in develop that confidence for the, you know, the normal inshore angler. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of what my, my whole process has been, you know, I, I knew it would be just a lot of fun, you know, right off the bat, it'd just be so much fun to do something that no one else is really doing, you know, and there was so many people doing the bass baits. I, you know, I said, you know, I'd really like to try and bring something over to the, to the big trout. First, I wanted to know if it would work. And, you know, once I figured out that they would work, Oh man. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun and it's great to come up with something different. You know, I'm always trying Mm -hmm. to come up with something, something new, something that hasn't been done before. Um, you know, some of the baits I've made, you know, just are kind of oddballs. Like I make a little lady fish. It's like six inches long Mm -hmm. and I hadn't sold any because I just hadn't caught any fish. I hadn't used it enough until this spring. And, uh, it was one of the best baits I had out there this year. And so mm. now I got to make some of those and put them out there, you know, yeah. and well, people are, are asking anytime I, sh- I throw a photo of them just to see if people are interested. Oh yeah, man, I get the, the messages. That's so cool. yeah, great. I, and, um, you know, and it's, man, it's a ball and I don't do this for the money. Believe me, it's, it is, it, it's just been so much fun. It's like a yeah. whole new level uh, of fishing for me. Kind of like, you know, uh, making duck decoys for uh for your duck hunts you know where you killed birds over your your own stuff and or guiding you know when i was guiding that was another level of fishing or duck hunting for me you know so i i actually offered something that people were interested in and and you know they responded positive positively to it and it's the same thing with these baits you know i just i just love to be involved in 
the the sport that I love, you know, fishing yeah. or hunting. And this has really become addictive to me, you know, making these swim baits, making new stuff that, you know, hasn't been done yet. Uh, like the baby speckle trout, you know, I mean, where are you going to find a baby speckle trout lure, you know, yeah. that's actually carved and to look like a speckle trout, you know, it's really, but, it hadn't been done. So I said, yeah, let me and try they that. Do, but that's, man. man I'll, and that thing, that thing can really work, man. It's uh, yeah. when they're, when those fish are on bigger bait and there's been days where it, I got more bites with that than I did with anything else. And I try other things just to see what was happening. And uh, yeah, man, sometimes they are keyed in on big bait and yeah. you're going to draw, you know, more action, action from those than you would conventional stuff. Not all the time. Down South Lures has been making lures for the inshore angler for years now, and it's easy to see why. From their four inch Southern shad to their much larger DSL supermodel, to the three inch burner shed, their versatility is really in every angler's arsenal. Better yet, they're actually made here in the USA as well. So support this Texas brand that supports you, the fisherman. And next time, go check out the hashtag swims in a fall action of a down south floor. Real Sportswear humbly started making shirts for a few local fishermen. Rooted in simplicity and utility, Real's minimalist approach is a reflection of what binds the fishing industry together. Now found throughout many coastal retailers, their lineup of comfortable and functional gear aims to make your time in the water a success. So next time you're gearing up, wear what guides wear and consider real sportswear. Despite its unique name, Stinky Pants Fishing has been making wade fishing gear for the Texas angler for years. Located here in Texas, they make anything from boga floats to boxes, stringers to wade fishing straps, Really anything that the inshore angler needs to make their time on the water more efficient and more effective. So check them out at stinkypantsfishing.com and get some equipment to make you a better wade fisherman. I want to welcome Waterloo Rods as our season three's newest sponsor. Located in Victoria, Texas, Waterloo builds some of the most functional rods for any inshore application. Whether you're in the market for a carbon mag, an HP light or a slam mag, or their Salinity series, definitely check them out. Also, check out their Waterloo Pro Shop, which carries most, if not everything, that the inshore angler needs here along the Texas coast. So next time you're in the market for a rod, definitely check out Waterloo Rods, and you might as well fish the best. Mirror Lure is an iconic brand found in almost every inshore angler's arsenal. From their 17 or 27 MRs, to the Mirror Mullet or the Top Dog, even their soft plastic lineup, as well as the Paul Brown series Fat Boys. These lures have been trusted by many anglers across the Gulf Coast and beyond. So next time you're out there looking to fire up a bite, remember, tie on a mirror lure and turn on the bite. Texas Custom Lures and the original Custom Corky are back again for season three sponsors and we couldn't be more appreciative. These lures and colors, which are produced by some of the most renowned anglers up and down the Texas coast have been producing for decades. So whether it's a Double D or a Fat Boy Floater, a Plum Nasty, Texas Turnip, just to name a few, remember next time you're looking for that next big bite, the big girls aren't colorblind. I wanted to ask you a question. So has there been an experience that, you know, as you're fishing or have you seen or experienced, you know, something or, or what is the best experience you've seen or witnessed, you know, fishing glide baits for fishing trout glide, glide baits? Uh, 
you know, just, um, just days when, um, when you just, you've tried other, other baits and, and you just get on, get on those, a, a really good glide bait bite, you know, and it's just like you catching them one after the other for yeah. a little period, you know, and you just catching much bigger fish and, yeah. um, you know, there's no one that sticks out. I mean, that Texas trip was wonderful, you know, um, and some of the trips I've made over at the Mr. Go were really great. Um, just, you know, times when, you know, you just fished all day and really nothing's happened. And, um, yeah. and then a few mullets start bouncing around on a flat and you get in there and, and it's like, they were just sitting there waiting for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, Cause I was, yeah, that's kind of what I was, you know, trying to get at was, you know, really outside of the Rousey trip, you know, have, have you had some, not notable catches, but catches that kind of stand out to you, uh, again, using your baits? I've had, I've had several, you know, up there around five pounds and some six pounders that, uh, that I caught on, uh, on the, on the flats Raider and then some on the pogey and, um, and man, you know, some of them were just in, it was almost like I was fishing bass, you know, fishing around a grass bed, really shallow water. And, um, and, and some of these fish would jump out and, and walk halfway back to the boat. I mean, just such a violent fight in that shallow water. And we're talking about 58, 60 degree water. You know, those are some things that blew my mind. You know, so you're mostly throwing these in a, in the wintertime, fall, winter, spring, early yeah, spring. Mm-hmm. That's it. Is that when you find you get better success by obviously the the hot water like we're in now, dog days of summer? Yeah, it's almost like a season for us where I'm Mm -hmm. fishing because, you know, I'm I'm in really fresh water. Right. You know, I I have, I bring a salinometer or a a refractometer uh, to test the salt and it's never out of the single digits where I fish. And that's an Amistigo and that's uh, Reggio, that's Delacroix. We're talking six, seven, sometimes four. You know, and those, those fish are in there to feed. And when spawn time rolls around, they're rolling, they're gone. Yeah. So we don't, we don't have them, you know, after, uh, after it starts warming up and that's usually March, it's about over. And that's hard to kind of explain to some people as well, you know, back, you know, pops and, you know, fishing over there in the Lafitte fishery, Mm -hmm. um, towards kind of like Lake Salvador, obviously that area took a big hit with Ida. Uh, but there's been plenty of trips where he's literally kind of been in a, in a canal, uh, and, and catch maybe two or three sockle, which is crappie. Uh, <laughs> and then he'll catch like 25 trout, you know? So if you look in like his live well before he's tagging, you see like two or three crappie, uh, and then you'll see 25 trout. And so it's really hard to convey to people that, you know, the diversity of the Delta there is, is really unique. And some of those big fish do lock up uh, in the winter time, even in such a lower salinity. And, and that's really foreign for folks here, especially in Texas, where we see, uh, obviously salinity levels, you know, insanely high in most fisheries, right. The upper coast, mm-hmm. uh, I can see like Sabine and stuff obviously can get super fresh. And, uh, but you know, for, for the most part, a lot of the salinity levels here, obviously staying pretty super high. Uh, but I wanted to kind of dovetail into, you know, really the creation and how you make them and how you tune them. And so, you know, if you can, Mike, share a little bit, if you can, and if you're willing, uh, I know it's somewhat of a competitive market and I know you're making your own things. And so, uh, but 
you know, talk to us about how you come up from concept um, or maybe idea concept to, you know, building and delivery. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, well, early on, all I was doing was carving wood baits, you know, it's a, you draw out a pattern on, on whatever piece of wood you're going to use and cut it out on a bandsaw. And, um, and then from there you start carving, you know, and basically you, you carve away everything that doesn't look like a fish, mm -hmm. you know, pretty easy. And, uh, no, it, it's a lot harder than it sounds, but, yeah. but no, what, you know, you just kind of, you have patterns that, mm -hmm. that you go off of and, you know, you start shaving it down and rounding it out and, you know, using different tools. Um, you know, it gets down to basically just drawing features around the face of the lure, the gills and all that. And, and you're carving that in, you know, basically once you get a decent, uh, a decent shape and everything carved out, you know, you're going to start, uh, cutting joints. You know, if you mm -hmm. want it to be a glide bait, it's going to be, you're going to cut it, you know, somewhere in the, in the center of the bait. Um, if you want a, a multi-joint, you know, you just, you just kind of draw, lay it all out with a pencil. Yeah. Um, but myself, once I got into, um, you know, really trying to produce these things to, to make multiple baits, um, I'll, I'll carve out, you know, the basic one piece bait and then I'll mold it, you know, I'll, mm -hmm. ma I'll make a silicone mold around that, um, around that carving. Basically there's all kinds of products out there, you know, mm -hmm. for it. And, uh, you know, there's lots of stuff and best thing to do is get online and look at some of these tackle making sites to see what, what suits you. But, um, uh, you know, you build a mold box and, uh, and you set those baits in that mold box, pour the silicone. And then once you get that, you, uh, you know, you, you take that, that bait out and then you can start your first casting. And you cast that, uh, and it's, what we use is, uh, it's a two-part urethane, mm -hmm. um, different people make it, Alumalite, Smooth On, um, other manufacturers. Uh, basically, you're, uh, you're pouring that urethane in the mold, and, um, and then once you, you get that very first pour, that very first one, mm -hmm. um, then you can cut your joints. Mm -hmm. And then you go from there, you start adding the hardware, adding the weight to do your testing. You want to place that weight somewhere on the bottom where it's going to sit level and sink at whatever rate you want. You know, if it's a glide bait, you want it to, to just about it to be a, a neutral bait. Right. Um, some people don't understand, you know, they're like, I want one that sinks fast. Well, you're going to kill the action of the lure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about buoyancy and, um, and the way that lure responds. So with a lot of glide baits, you know, they're, they're going to sink really slow or they may even float. Mm -hmm. And some baits will, will work great like that. Like my pogey, it doesn't matter whether it's a floater or a medium sink, it's going to swim the same. It'll, it actually dives under the water because of just the shape of the, the, of the bait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like a rattle trap. You ever use a floating rattle yeah. trap? Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Absolutely. There's a sinker and there's a floater. You know, my, a lot of people have never used one, but yeah, it's just the shape of the bait makes it dive under just like the regular one. But when you stop, it starts floating back up again. Well, that's kind of an ideal bait for me because I'm fishing around grass. So, but anyway, to get back to the, the molding and building process. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go from there, from that mold. I'll, um, I'll make that bait 
I'll pour that bait and then start cutting joints and weight it, test it in a, in an aquarium, get all the hooks on it. And when I have something, you know, roughed out, um, you know, I'll start trying them. I'll start painting them mm-hmm. and, uh, add the weight into the mold beforehand if I can. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you go from there. It's a lot of trial and error, a lot of testing. Uh, and that was going to be my next, that was going to be my next <laughs> question was like, like from again, concept to delivery. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many iterations of a bait are you probably going through before oh, you like, ah, perfect. Don't know. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a lot. Some are, some are easier than others, you know, but I've got baits that I've gone through iterations of over and over and over now, and I've never sold them because they just didn't work out, man. They yeah. look great, you know, and they swam cool under certain conditions or, or certain actions, but they just didn't overall, overall perform. And yeah. some of them, you just got to hang them on a wall, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like the flat, and, the flats Raider, the one that you uh, originally s- sent me, uh-huh. uh, this is a co- obviously a couple of years ago, but mm-hmm. you know, the first video that you sent me, you know, talking about its capability and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, getting back to that aquarium, if you will, uh, yeah. in your, in your, I guess, office or shop or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. how basically, uh, you've figured out and basically match the salinity levels to kind of a Texas fishery and, and <laughs> yeah. chill the water and everything else. And then yeah. basically drop that bait and it sank to a level and it uh-huh. just stopped. It stopped. Right. And so right. I want to give people again, a concept and idea of how much thought in development you actually put into these baits, man, which is insane. It's to a me. lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bunch. And, um, you know, when I'm trying to test out a, a bait, um, I'll, I'll try the different salinities, you know, if I'm going to use it in salt, I'll, I'll try it. I've got, a, I basically set up a little saltwater tank and, and went and bought some seawater from uh, one of the aquarium stores. And, uh, and then you can buy salt to add to it. And, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I've gone all over the place with that, but yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll set up a tank for like 35 parts per thousand, which is, which was kind of like a, an average mm-hmm. of what that Laguna Madre yeah. and Baffin Bay is, is all year. Cause I actually, I actually called those folks up over there at the Marine Institute and asked them for some data. That's okay. how ate up I was with it. <laughs> And that's why I'm telling you, I really appreciate that pogey because that, that darn thing works, whether it, uh, it floats or sinks or whatever. So, but, but that flats rater was a real sensitive bait. And if you got it just right, you know, it would sink real slow and you could twitch it and move it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's what I was going for. And I still do that. You know, I still, uh, test out, uh, wood baits. Um, I'll, I'll test out a batch of pogies or mm-hmm. I'll, one or two, I'll test it out in that saltier water just to tell me how much weight I need to add for, uh, for that particular sink. And then I'll test some in real low salinity, you know, for around here, you know, and I've got that worked out. I've got, you know, one's a medium sink and one's a slow sink basically. Yeah. You know, I know the medium sinks are going to do good in Texas. Yeah. Now the, the fins and stuff, you know, you Mm -hmm. obviously cut those out. Um, do you cast the mold for those as well? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it man, looks like you use like little, little bitty wooden kind of dowels, if you will, to kind of tack them in there or. or... Well, that's Is just that kind of what you use. It's toothpicks. That? That's kind of the industry oh, okay. standard. And, uh, Oh, it's a really good. Yeah. Basi- yeah. Yeah. You basically just, uh, 
well, the tails are carved out of, they're cut out of Lexan mm-hmm. and then I carve it with a Dremel and then add whatever detail I want to it and then make molds out of that, make silicone mold for the tail. And, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, it's a lot of work. So then, you know, the, the little tail will go in the slot that I make and you just drill a couple of holes through there and, and you tap a toothpick through there. And when a toothpick gets in there, you want it to fit tight and that wood's going to swell and everything once it gets wet. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not coming out. I've never had one come out. Yeah. I've had, you know, fish eventually tear one up, but you know, yeah. Yeah, That's how it works, man. Now from like the hooks using size one, two, what, I mean, some of them vary. I use generally like on these smaller baits, I'm using a size two on the front Mm -hmm. and a four on the back. Like sometimes I have, yeah, sometimes I'll have some little variations, but I like to use 2X hooks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten it to where I'm only using owner hooks. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've, I've gotten used to them. They really work. They're super sharp, man. I've, I've had lots of photos of people's hands impaled with those hooks. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I've not had any any problems with uh, with them bending out or anything yeah. on, a, on a fight. I mean, you still have to set your drag and, you know, and take care, you know, like, and you know, I mean, you got to respect those big fish, you know, yeah. they can do some pretty wild stuff. Let, but, let me yeah, ask that's you, what I stick with. Let yeah. me ask you this though, cause this is definitely, you know, okay. So if I'm kind of getting into glide baits or maybe I'm listening to this and, and trying to get in, uh, to use glide baits, your own baits, or, mm-hmm. you know, going to buy a savage gear, uh, you know, magic swimmer or, you know, river to sea S waiver or something along those lines. Right. Um, like what, what are you using like to throw these? Cause when I'm thinking about like glide baits and I've thrown them on my tackle and, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you my thought, at least what I would throw. I'm using a 200 Corrado K, you know, 15 to 17, either mono or true fluoro, like mm-hmm. spooled up, um, on like a medium power rod. Uh, medium, mm-hmm. maybe medium heavy. Now that can be pretty taxing, uh, to your shoulders, especially if you're yeah. weight fishing or something along those lines. So like also too, when I'm thinking about guys in like California Delta or, you know, again, throwing those big baits, they're throwing heavy rods, you oh, know, seven yeah. foot heavy rods and stuff like that. So how do you make it to where, you know, maybe a guy who is weight fishing here in Texas or, or maybe some recommendations, uh, of mm-hmm. what they could use or kind of stepping through, the the actual gear that you use to throw these can you can you do that sure um you know first thing is you know don't go out and change your whole uh arsenal of tackle for these things you know you can you can get by with those smaller baits like the pogie and uh the flats raider and the little ladyfish that i make you can those are all about one one ounce and maybe 1.2 something like that and um you can throw those on a, I've, I've used a six and a half foot medium, medium heavy, uh, casting rod. I mean, lots mm-hmm. of times when I was in Texas, that's what I was throwing. That's what, that's what the guy told me to bring. So that's what I brought. And, um, and those baits, uh, they did fine on it. You know, I had already used them on that. Now you can go heavier, you know, you can get something. I, I kind of like overall, my preference lately has been, um, if I want to twitch the bait, like a jerk bait with my wrist, I'm going to use like a, um, a jerk bait rod. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've, I build rods too. 
not mm-hmm. great at it, but I, but I love yeah. doing it. So I built uh, a mud hole um, brand. It's a seven foot three um, jerk bait rod and it's a medium mm-hmm. heavy and it's a, fa- it's an extra fast blank. So the flex is way at the end, mm-hmm. but it's real light and I can twitch that, you know, the handle's not long, you know, I made mm-hmm. the handle fairly, fairly short so I can kind of bring it into my chest and twitch it like you would a jerk bait. Yeah. But if I'm going to use the, um, use it like swim bait style, glide bait style, that's basically using a, a real handle. Like you're mm-hmm. making turns, like a little choppy turn, like half a turn, whole turn, pause, just, and you're just using the handle and that glide bait is darting off to one side. When you stop, it's just gliding. And mm-hmm. when you start again, it comes back the other way and so on and so forth. And I like using a, uh, I actually traded a rod. Uh, I've traded some swim baits for it. It's a, uh, a swim bait specific rod called a Leviathan. I was about to say Omega Bass. Omega Finesse. Okay. A Leviathan Omega Finesse. And it's built on a North Fork Customs uh, blank. It is like Excalibur in your hand. You know, it's seven foot nine. Seven (gasps) foot nine. It casts a mile. You know, it's it's considered a a heavy action, but the thing is so light. I mean, it's, it's really awesome. So, and I, and I'll use that one for my, uh, my cigar trout, which is the next level, you know, I'll mention here. Um, you know, that's kind of like a, you want a, about a heavy action bass, mm-hmm. I'm talking bass tackle, maybe a heavy action, seven foot, maybe even a, uh, a flipping stick, mm-hmm. something like that, you know, because that, that lure is going to, going to load up pretty good. Two mm-hmm. ounces. That's, that's fairly heavy, you know? Yeah. So it's going to load up that rod and wear you out if you don't use something a little bit bigger. But I started out fishing with a heavy action seven foot rod. It was just, mm-hmm. a, you know, like a worm rod, fast action, maybe a little bit more, more tip in it. Yeah. Now your but, pogies, your pogies are like, how heavy are they? 1.2 ounces. And I okay. use medium, medium heavy. Like I said, depending on what the situation is, I'm fishing. I'll use fairly light rods for that. I mean, it, it's, it's basically weightless in the water. I mean, it doesn't yeah. have a lip on it. You know, it's just kind of hanging there in the water column. You're just twitching it kind of like a jerk bait. You know, once a right. jerk baits in the water, you don't even know it's there. Right. You know, you're just my twitching ba- it every now and then. It's kind of ba- like that. Yeah. But my biggest thing is actually delivering the bait right on the right. cast. I mean, it, that right. can be the, the physically taxing part, mm-hmm. not necessarily working the bait, but, and that's where, you know, the times that I've thrown it, man, it just, it, it, it can wear your shoulders, but the 1.2 ounce of the, of your pogie, uh, glide, um, mm-hmm. you know, for context, I think, a a fat boy weighs like maybe right at an ounce, seven eighths, or, you know, I can't remember the actual weight, but I want to say like seven eighths of an ounce or, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. So if you think right. about it, can, you know, from context perspective, you know, I have no issues throwing a corky fat boy in a medium light rod, you know, in, in, um, you know, medium light, fast action rod, maybe medium fast action rod or something like that. But, you know, my, I can't remember what my lightweighter one was, but mm-hmm. something along those lines. But the point is, is you can get away with throwing some heavier baits on some lighter Absolutely. tackle. You know? Absolutely. But the, do you find though fishing maybe a little bit heavier rod aside from actually delivering the bait and on the cast that is, but also too, when a fish eats and loading, do you find a better hook to land ratio with a, 
with the heavier tackle or, or what? It hasn't been a problem either way, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely like using that, um, that swim bait rod, that, that ultralight swim bait rod, which is like yep. a, it'd be like a flipping stick mm-hmm. roughly, you yep. know? And yeah, it's, it casts better. It loads better. Yeah. It handles the bait a whole lot better, but you know, like, like I said, it don't let that stop you from, yeah. you know, getting your feet wet with these kind of baits, whether you're using one of mine or, or anything else, the same size, um, you know, you can get your feet wet with it and then go from there, you know, and see yeah. what your needs are going to be. You know, if you, if you're making long casts, which of course we all like to do, you know, yeah, the longer rods are, are going to be great. You know, well, um, the head, the heavier they are, the further you think you can cast, especially on like a single jointed bait or what? Definitely. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Cause oh, yeah. that was one of the things that I kind of ran into starting out was, you know, throwing some of these heavier multi-jointed, not just a single joint, but multi-jointed swim baits or glide baits, more so glide baits. Um, I would find that it would waffle a little bit more because I couldn't get enough oomph like into the actual cast to deliver that bait you know what i'm saying i know and exactly so, uh, what you're I would, saying. so if it's light everybody. yeah if it was too light i couldn't deliver that bait without it waffling and so with a heavier right. rod uh now i can actually like launch the bait if you will and so uh, absolutely you know, again talking all things glide baits on this particular podcast because i think going back to the original point which was its utility uh, of it and that drawing power of these bigger fish. And so if people are interested in maybe like maybe putting some things aside, like a quirky fat boy uh, or a super spook or, you know, these types of typically known big trout baits and really want to kind of step outside the box, you know, you've really created the box for people to kind of come into and, and hopefully this information that you're sharing, because this is your passion. This is, mm-hmm. you know, your, um, um, yeah, all, all the things that you have confidence in, you know, to do this, trying to it kind of curve the learning curve, if you will, uh, for folks to do that. And if they want to no kidding target a 28, 29, 30 inch fish, this is definitely one of those ways to do that. No doubt, man, no doubt, you know, and, um, and I, and I keep trying to say, you know, um, don't let the, the tackle you have stop you, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you got some decent bass tackle or some flipping sticks, there are things laying around just, you know, you can, you can make do with some of this stuff, but, uh, it, it's just, it's worth it to get out and try it, it's, to get out and try it. And, and just to, if you can throw a, a super spook, I mean, mm-hmm. you can throw one of my baits. It's, they're not, they're not that much bigger. You know, if yeah. you lay a super spook next to one of mine, you'll see, well, you know, if it wasn't for the tail on my bait, you know, it's really, it's not even as long as a super spook. So, so actually so, I'm, I'm laying a flats raider next to a super spook as we're talking mm-hmm. yeah. and you're right. I mean, it, from a profile perspective, it is actually literally the, almost the exact same length, uh, yours maybe mm-hmm. by a hair, uh, and mainly because again, kind of that tail, right. Uh, right. So yeah, That's if you're, right. if you're throwing a super spook in, in the tackle that you're throwing, your chances are you can certainly kind of deliver and fish one of these baits. Right. And just now it's about just developing that confidence in them. It Um, is. So that's awesome. You know, and, and I'd love to get back out to Texas again and, and actually try some of these other baits that I've made since I've been there 
and just just to see um, what rod it's going to take to satisfy wade fishermen, because mm-hmm. I know that's totally different. You know, you're you're not up on a on a deck on a boat. You know, it's it's different. I think mm-hmm. you kind of are in, uh, in a tuck position, I guess, at for some of it, yeah. and you don't really have a you don't want to use anything too heavy, but uh, you know that's- it's a little bit different. I, and I'd like to. I'd like to get down there and, uh, and try some of these baits and, and maybe fine tune that part of it. Well, I will tell you, uh, we tried last year, man. Last year was kind of a nightmare for me just because of my job in the air force, but mm-hmm. let's do it this year, man. I'm serious. Um, come join me. I'd love uh, to. I'll and, try. And, and let's, let's like literally devote some time, man. If you can come down for a couple of days, let's devote mm-hmm. a couple of days to just you know, chucking your tackle. Obviously I'll bring some, you know, other things that keep modest. That's what I always say when I'm going to bring some other confidence baits, but admittedly, uh, although I've caught a few fish and few trout, uh, on glide baits, not yours, but mm-hmm. on glide baits, uh, I, I just something I haven't devoted in, and it's mainly because probably confidence, um, but also to I'm limited in time of when I, I can fish. And so I'm really focused on, you know, trying to be more efficient with the confidence level that I have, because we've talked about this with in, in past with previous guests is that, you know, and as you know, most of fishing, uh, before you even make a cast is really between the ears of what you're throwing, right. having confidence in the, in the place that you're fishing, uh, of what it holds. And so let's do that, man, this year. Uh, I'd love to. I'd okay. Love to. Let's know, do that. I'll do my best. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to give you like seventy-two hours notice. It's about the all I can do. If cooperates, I'll be there. <laughs> okay, let's do it, man. Well, hey, brother, yeah. we're we're uh, right actually uh, at about an hour, and, and so for folks listening, mm. if you can, I know it goes quick, doesn't it? It it's does, crazy. man. I'll, I know. I can't believe it. Yeah. So for folks listening, though, uh, you know, leave us a message. I'll, I'll obviously post a little bit more about these. Um, you know, I'm really interested. We we didn't cover a couple of other things, which was, you know, obviously some people are, are buying those blanks, plastic blanks, painting them. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, you've kind of got into, and as you heard the stories from you, um, that, you know, you put a lot of design and, and trial and error into creating these. And so these are your creations from start to finish. And so, right. um, but my gosh, dude, um, the utility that they do have, I think is something I want to try to tap into and I'm starting to see a little bit more of it. So for folks listening, drop, you know, drop a comment, leave a comment, send us a message, you know, on, or maybe if this was helpful, uh, if you want to maybe hear some more of like this type of content, maybe specific to glide baits, I'll, I'll definitely have you back on Mike. If, if, if you can, I'd love to. um, sure. so and especially if we sure. can kind of fish together, I'd love to kind of create some content, maybe where we can share some stuff on the water. Absolutely. So, but, um, thanks man for, you know, I guess the friendship over the last couple of years, and it's been really fun, um, and inspiring for me to kind of see you grow from, again, a concept of, you know, having a flats raider, uh, mm-hmm. and then now creating more baits in your product line. Uh, so, you know, to that end, man, how can people maybe get a hold of you, uh, or, or things of that nature? Basically, um, I, I, I post my baits on, uh, my Instagram, uh, Michael Herman Jr. Or, mm-hmm. 
or uh, on my donkey Facebook Bay page, swim baits, Donkey baby. Bay Swim Baits. Yeah, so if you if you type Donkey Bay Swim Baits in either of those, you'll, it'll come up. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I don't make a ton of baits. You know, it's just me. Yeah. So uh, you know, I'll I'll make batches and I'll post them up, and uh, you know, as people you know claim them, you know, yeah. that it's theirs. I got and that's the way I do it right now. Now, you know, hopefully things will step up if I get more help. Are you looking to expand? Need to. I'm just looking to get more help where I can put more out. Cause you know, every time I sell a batch, I've got people, you know, asking for more and mm-hmm. they just didn't get a, get there in time. Yeah. So I definitely need to be able to make a little more, Yeah. you know, but it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a hobby and a, and a passion and, um, you know, I'll, I love fishing and I love making these things, love catching fish on them. And, and there's only so much time in the day, you know, yeah, so I'll make as much as I can <laughs> and <laughs> I always trying to come up with something new too. So, yeah, well, that's cool, man. Well, but yeah. Hey Mike, thanks again, man, for being on the podcast, sharing, man, some, I think some pretty cool stuff, uh, maybe for some folks that are looking in, to get into those glide baits and, and kind of put them or make them a part of their arsenal, man. So I really appreciate mm-hmm. it, buddy. Man, I well, I'm honored that you've had me on today, and I really appreciate all the the uh, uh, encouragement you've given me and sharing some of my posts and photos, and yeah. you've done a lot for me, and I really appreciate it. You got it, buddy. So thank you. Well, you got it, bud. Well, hey, for everyone else listening, thanks so much again. Leave us a comment, right? Throw us a message or something like that, because again, if this content is something that you really enjoy. Uh, or, or has been helpful, please let us know. Uh, because this, uh, for me, is enlightening, right? It's it's an unexplored territory for me that I'm interested in just as much, hopefully, as everybody else listening. So, But again, I got to give a shout out to our sponsors, Real Sportswear, Stinky Pants Fishing, Waterloo Rods, Texas Custom Lures, the original Custom Corky, Miralore, um, all those sponsors that that help and, and make this podcast go i really appreciate it so so again show them some love um, but until next time guys always remember tight lines god bless take what you need and release the rest god bless mm-hmm.